You may have never heard of the name Mona Ayub, but she likes clothes. In fact, that is uh, an extreme understatement. This uh, French socialite is known and probably among arguably those in the world who have and own the most expensive wardrobe that any individual owns. It's said that she has over 1,600 pieces of out couture, high-end, personally tailored and designed dresses in her wardrobe, each amounting or costing up to $400,000 a piece. Different designer labels like Chanel and Christian Dior, they even have their own mannequin that is shaped like her, that is designed after her, her image, her body, so that when she can't be there to be personally tailored, they can use the mannequin to design and fit her dresses. You might wonder, where does somebody keep all of, of these, these many dresses in such an expensive wardrobe? Well, of course, she, she has them. She keeps them in her apartments. Oh, apartments, mind you, not that she lives in, but apartments that she owns specifically to serve as very large closets for all of her high-end wardrobe. Yet as, as expensive a taste as she has in her wardrobe, there's not a single outfit that she or anybody else could wear that would make the cut to gain entry into the banquet that Jesus speaks of in our last parable that we focus on today. There is no earthly garments, no, no outfit or uniform, anything that can be worn that will gain access into that banquet. And while we'll focus on that attire primarily this morning, that aspect of the parable, there is uh, definitely a, a need to point out that Jesus spends the, the first eight verses of this parable making another point. Don't take his invitation lightly. Jesus, yes, wants all people to be a part of, of his wedding party, right? Jesus, the son of the king, the, the bridegroom married to his church, to believers, extends that invitation to everybody. Even after it has been rejected and turned away by others, God wants everybody to be a part of that. But if you think that that means that we can avoid or put off or ignore that invitation, that, that, that call to to worship, to gather together with Christians, to, to draw closer to the king and take him up on his invitation, well, then we run the risk of either being shut out of that door or, like the guests, being cast out from the wedding party forever. So one warning in this parable certainly is don't take God's patience for granted because it will run out. But the point, as I mentioned, we want to focus on today is Really, what is required to gain entry into that wedding banquet? Well, we know what isn't going to cut it. Jesus described it in the end portion of the parable. Picking up with verse 11, we're told of the encounter the king had with a certain guest. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus brings it home with, For many are invited, but few are chosen. Again, a, a warning, don't, don't put off that invitation and don't think that there's any way that you can get in other than wearing Jesus' robe of righteousness. 
Because it wasn't that the man hadn't been invited, that last guest wasn't invited to the party. Remember, the invitation went to the ends of the earth, the street corners, not only the nobility and, and those whose lives and, and people who had their acts together, but everybody was invited to this party. So it wasn't because the guest wasn't on the list, it was because the guest was not dressed properly to be at the wedding banquet. Now, if you've been to a wedding, and I'm assuming most of us have, you know that a wedding isn't the sort of affair that you just throw on some raggedy old t-shirt and your favorite pair of tennis shoes. A wedding is a special occasion. We dress up for it. We look forward to it. Maybe you go out and you buy a new dress or a suit or a shirt and a tie. You, you want to look good because you know it's a special occasion. It's an affair that you dress up for. And yet, what is true of our earthly weddings and those special occasions certainly doesn't apply when, when we apply it to Jesus' parable today. If we think that there's anything that we can dress up in to make the grade, to make the cut, and, and be allowed into that party, we'll find ourselves like that guest being booted from the banquet. Now, this is really kind of Christianity 101, so I wonder if, if it's really something that we find ourselves questioning or doubting, knowing that one of the basics of Christianity is the only way that we can hope to get into heaven is through Jesus' righteousness, through his perfection, his holiness, his obedience, not our own. We're taught that from day one, and if we've been lifelong Christians, we, we know that to be true. We even confess it regularly. But do we believe it? Do we live as if that's the case? Do we actually believe that, that Jesus' righteousness alone is my hope for heaven? Or do we have to be aware of perhaps some more subtle, different approaches or thoughts that we have on the matter of, of what might permit us to be allowed into that wedding banquet? Might it be that though we know Jesus' righteousness is, is what's required, that we sometimes deceive ourselves into thinking that our own righteousness is going to make the cut. We, we surely know that we miss the mark from time to time, but by and large, it's kind of like taking that knockoff brand or the imitation brand or label and thinking, well, this looks pretty close to the real thing. Maybe this will make the cut. After all, I'm a, a family man. I've been a Christian my, my whole life. I go to church regularly. We treat people kindly. We do all of those things that good people do, the kind of good people that by default many people assume or presume are going to be populating heaven. But do you really think that that kind of, of out couture, that kind of dress, the, the, the made-up stuff, the, the imposter imitation knockoff brands, that our own righteousness is going to fool the divine designer? Do you think it's going to escape his notice when he looks at, at what we're wearing and sees the, the poor stitching and sewing of our own self-righteousness with all of its, its loose threads and loose ends? Do you think that somehow he's not going to take note of the inferior fabric and material from which our works are fabricated and made? Or that he's not going to notice how irregular and disproportionate the cuts of our own obedience are in what we try to wear if we think we're going to fool him wearing anything other than Jesus' righteousness? If, if we think we're going to fool the divine tailor in that regard, what's going to end up happening is we'll find ourselves ashamed and embarrassed. And not only that, we're going to end up dishonoring the king who invited us in the first place. 
So maybe, maybe we're a little more subtle than that. Maybe we're not quite so brazen or arrogant to pretend that our own robe of righteousness could, could serve as proper wedding attire to be allowed into the banquet. But there's still that, that little something that we want to cling to. Sure, we'll wear Jesus' righteousness, but just as kind of some added insurance, we'll also wear a little something else, maybe accessorize or, or wear our, our lucky socks or the way that you would pull out your favorite jersey when your team really needs a win. Sure, I'm going to count on Jesus' righteousness, but just to make sure, I'll also wear my, my generous giving, my contributions. That's something I've been good at my whole life. Maybe I'll... I'll point out or, or try to slip on the fact that I've been faithful in my, my marriage my whole life, that I've, I've read the, the Bible regularly, that those things, in addition to Jesus' righteousness, should add a little extra or some insurance just in case Jesus' righteousness doesn't cut it. Can you imagine trying to explain to the king, to the father, that you didn't feel the son's righteousness was enough? so that you needed to add something to the wedding garment that he freely offers you in Christ Jesus. That would be like showing up at a, a wedding and when the pictures are being taken, you, you go up, you who have no experience not only with photography but design or anything else, and you say, well, you know, bride, you look lovely today, but I think this dress would suit you a little better. Or the bridal party, the groomsmen, maybe this color would be a little better in your ties or your suits. And the bridesmaids, do your hair up like this. Not only would that be an insult to the photographer, but how much more to the bridegroom and the bride who chose those very garments, those outfits to, to be worn for their special day. How much more so for us then to pretend or think that somewhere in the back of our minds, maybe God will be impressed in addition with Jesus to righteous, Jesus' righteousness, also with our own little this or that accessory that we insist on wearing. But if, if we think any of those are going to pass the test, then again, we run the risk of being just like that guest who found himself kicked out, asked to leave, and shut out of the banquet for eternity. As patient as the king was in extending his invitations to everyone else and even to that individual saying, friend, how did you get in here? And it's almost as if one wonders if Jesus was still trying to illustrate the, the, the depth of of God's patience to say, hey, you're not wearing the right thing, that maybe that was a chance for the guests to say, well, I'm sorry, in, in humility, by all means, tell me what I need to wear to be in here. And the king would have gladly offered the robe of his son's righteousness. But instead he was silent and said nothing. If he wasn't allowed to wear what he wanted to wear, what he demanded, what he thought should be required or necessary or good enough for heaven, then he wanted no part of it. And that's exactly what the king gave to him. No, when it comes to what is required to, to enter into that eternal banquet that is waiting for us, let us leave all of our own attempts at, at dressing ourselves with our righteousness or our obedience or our good works or, or what good folks we are. Leave those at the door. For the only thing that those will bring us is, is an eternal fashion disaster that will not allow us into heaven. Instead, we cling to Jesus Righteousness, the bridegroom in the parable, 
the one who gave himself to be married to the church and gave himself up for the church for all people so that we might be able to wear his righteousness. That's the thought that Paul captured when he wrote to the Corinthians, described in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul points out very clearly that's exactly why the Father sent the Son, the Bridegroom, in the parable to this world without any sin because that's being right with God. That's being righteous is to have no sin to be perfect so that he could be righteousness for you and for me. And that righteousness, his righteousness freely offered, freely won and earned by Jesus for everybody and freely given to them through faith in him, That is the only thing that is going to suit anybody who is going to be properly dressed at the banquet. And rest assured, that that robe of righteousness, that garment is sufficient. It is enough. There is nothing else that is required or that you could add to it in any way whatsoever. That robe of righteousness from, from Jesus is pure, it's holy, it's clean, it's been washed. It's, it means you've been washed, not, not with some laundry detergent or stain remover, not with some chemicals from a, a dry cleaner, but actually with the very blood of the lamb, with the blood of the bridegroom, Jesus himself. That's how you know that when you wear Jesus' righteousness, it's good enough to be allowed into that banquet in heaven. That's really the picture that John shared with us in his vision from Revelation. In looking out and seeing all of the saints who were gathered in heaven, this is the description that is, is given. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They were properly dressed to be there. They had been washed by the blood of Jesus and his righteousness covered them, robed them, enveloped them so that they were properly dressed to be there. What a joy and and comfort. What peace of mind this gives us to know that that robe of righteousness is ours in Christ. And and here's the added beauty. It's not just something that is waiting for us when, when God calls us home to heaven, but it's a robe of righteousness that we wear even right now, today, As I speak to you through faith in Jesus, that robe of righteousness is yours. In fact, we can celebrate and rejoice that we are baptized children of God because at our baptism we were really robed in that righteousness. It may not be as common in the church today, but it used to be pretty common given that any baby that was brought to the font to be a baptized child of God, to be adopted into God's family through the waters of baptism and have his or her sins washed away, that was reflected, that robe of righteousness, in the long, white, flowing baptismal gown that symbolized the righteousness and holiness that God, through faith in Jesus, was crediting to that child. That robe of righteousness that by faith in Jesus is yours today. And doesn't that also give us peace of mind in the midst of a world that is constantly chasing after measuring up, being good enough, to know that that we have the peace of mind that because of Christ's righteousness, we are good enough 
that God the Father doesn't need you to be the best in class and get the highest grades to get the best scholarship to the best school, that you don't have to be the next YouTube sensation, that, that you don't have to do something to aspire to earning your, your parents' favor or to be recognized by, by your boss for this, that, or the other thing or to, to get more likes or recognition or acknowledgement or achievement or any of that. But quite literally, because of the righteousness of Jesus, literally the Father looks at you and says, you could not be more perfect than how I see you through faith in Christ Jesus. You are enough. You couldn't be better. And that is how the Father sees you through Jesus' righteousness right now, this very day. You, you don't need to, to measure up to be good enough. You are through Christ's righteousness, which you wear today, friends. And so, so you can enjoy shopping at, at Goodwill and finding a great deal on some second-hand clothes. You can be fine wearing hand-me-downs that somebody else gets you. You don't need to chase after the high-end fashion designer labels that are actually going to, to fade away, the, 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 that are going to go out of fashion as quickly as you can say Armani or Louis Vuitton. You don't need those to be good enough in God's eyes. Jesus' righteousness adorns you with the divine dress code that is necessary to perfectly please God right now. And you know what that means? If he is perfectly pleased with you right now, that means you don't have to wait till you get home to that heavenly banquet that is waiting for you. You can start to celebrate right now. Because in Christ Jesus, through his righteousness, you are perfect. Amen.